Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We are in unprecedented times. That is how people keep saying it. It sort of feels like, are we going to wake up from this? Is this a bad dream? Um, I can't say that it was a pandemic that um, I was feeling, but I can say that for the last few years, um, life has been, thank God, so good, so blessed, so wonderful that I just had this like feeling of foreboding that like something's going to change. Now, maybe I'm just a neurotic Jew and just expecting if life is good, life will get bad. Or maybe I am prophetic. I don't know. But um, somehow this happening feels like, oh, I felt something was coming. But I, I will not say that I am actually prophetic, just telling you that I did have a feeling of foreboding. Um, but now we are here. And now um, suddenly, um, as I mentioned in my show last week, um, the entire world is united over coronavirus. And there's all sorts of responses that people are having. Um, we unfortunately have people that have not quite woken up yet to how serious this is and they're still staying outside too much. Um, we have hospitals and doctors um, flooded with uh, serious patients. We have acts of kindness being done. Um, really the whole world is now transforming to working from home on Zoom from their couch, which is literally my lifestyle every day before coronavirus, not getting dressed. Um, and today, um, to try to bring you sort of one facet of this crisis, this pandemic, this new sort of uh, reality we're facing, uh, we're speaking with an Orthodox Jewish doctor. His name is Dr. Daniel Fletcher. He is an internist at University Hospitals in Cleveland, Ohio. And he is really seeing um, a lot of this, um, you know, I guess he's sort of on the ground um, where this is, as well as I think doing a lot of interfacing with the Orthodox community over these issues. So Dr. Fletcher, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us in the middle of uh, this craziness. It's a great pleasure. Thanks for having me, Allison. Um, and very well put. It does sometimes feel like uh, we're just waking up and it's all a dream and not really happening. So um, so tell us, I guess, before you uh, let us know what you've been up to in terms of coronavirus, just give us a little background about um, who you are, you know, where you grew up, um, you know, what your uh, kind of how you got into medicine, what your Jewish background is, a little, uh, you know, sort of intro on that side. Okay, no, so that's actually a, a long story, but uh, we'll try to keep it short and get to the to the to the meat of the conversation. Um, actually, I was born in the former Soviet Union. Um, grew up in a uh, traditional family. Um, later on in life, I spent my third uh, year, my junior year abroad in Israel, and while I was studying in Jerusalem, I started studying in some of the yeshivos there. Um, I ended up spending a total of uh, four years instead of a semester in Israel. Went, moved back to the United States of America, uh, enrolled in Nair Israel Rabbinical College in Baltimore. And um, that's where I eventually uh, was set up with my wife, Alex Fletcher, who's um, also involved in a lot of great things in the Jewish world. Um, and uh, went to medical school in, in, while we were in Baltimore. Uh, moved to Cleveland for my residency in internal medicine. And um, we've been here ever since. We have five beautiful children. Um, the oldest is in 11th grade. The youngest is nine months and they have all been home from school uh, since Thursday, even though school just closed today. So tell us a little bit about, um, I guess let's jump to the Jewish side first. Um, 
you're seeing this up close in the hospital. Um, what, and I think, um, I guess the, the Jewish community, I guess there's different sort of different pieces to this. One thing is that you have, I think, a split in the country. Um, it seems to maybe go down political lines a little bit, not that I want to get into politics too much, but there seems to be sort of a difference of opinions about how sort of seriously to take this. And then I think in the Jewish community, the Orthodox community, we're sort of having a difference of opinions. And I think solely people are waking up, but tell me what were you seeing locally um, when and why did you decide to leave your children at home? How did you, um, I guess, get the community to start to listen to reason? <laughs> Good questions. So, you know, it's interesting. I'll tell you first how I, um, why I ended up getting thrust in the middle of this, because to be honest, I'm uh, not a, I'm not the head of a, a, a medical organization. I'm not an infectious disease specialist or an epidemiologist, but um, on Erev Purim, um, the first, um, one of the first cases in Ohio came back positive. Mm -hmm. um, and I think now that we have 50 confirmed cases in Ohio, I think it's, I could say that, you know, one of the pa those 50 patients uh, at least were, were patients of mine. Um, and in addition to that, you know, I started catching up very quickly. I, I, I knew it was going to hit us eventually, but Cleveland tends to be behind the ball with a lot of things and, and it has a lot of good things also. Um, but I, it was a surprise to have it happen so quickly after, uh, you know, having just, you know, watching the numbers go up on the East and West Coast. Um, and it happened to be that I was on call. So all of, uh, let's call him patient zero for Cleveland's uh, contacts were also in the area. And because I was on call for a, a large physician group, I, I, I'm in a small office, but I take call for a lot of other doctors. I started getting phone calls of people that were um, told that they were direct contacts of this uh, patient and what are they supposed to do? Um, because this is a highly uh, Jewishly populated area, um, not just Orthodox, but um, we have a, a very vibrant community that goes across the spectrum, reform, conservative, and, and the Jewish Federation here does you know, keep everybody together to a certain extent. Um, I was getting phone calls from a reform rabbi who was a contact, and now it's Erev Purim, and she has a party for 300 people in her synagogue, and what, what should she do? And, uh, you know, somebody from the Federation that was in a meeting uh, with the patient, and, uh, you know, his whole family has been around him, and again, it's Purim, and what are they going to do? Um, so very quickly, I had to learn a lot, and one of the things I learned was that policy uh, isn't made all that quickly. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I spoke, to, I first called the Ohio Department of Health and they didn't have much to say on it. They said, speak to your local board of health. And the first thing they said was speak to the Ohio Department oh, of Health. God. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, sometimes you're even ahead of what's going on in the local departments. Um, you know, the CDC will tell you, you know, general rules, but um, they themselves say it should always be deferred to facts on the ground. So I was very busy uh, Monday afternoon because Purim was coming and I really thought if there would be need to be a larger quarantine, um, we should do it quickly and act quickly. Again, there was, there's, it's known that there was uh, the APAC convention in Washington, DC. Mm -hmm. um, there were I five cases that were confirmed there. 
and um, a big question was, should we quarantine everybody? Not because that's what the CDC recommends, but we know how uh, the Jewish community is so interming intermingled, and especially if we're going to be getting together and delivering to each other's houses, and you know, literally uh, an epidemiological nightmare. <laughs> um, we should find that out. So eventually, you know, the Ohio Department of Health did make the recommendation that they should quarantine uh, everybody who was at the APAC conference, but that didn't come out till till Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Tuesday, they said I got the message that they should, and I actually tweeted about it. And I got tons of calls and questions, you know, where did you get this information from? That's not what we heard. What should we do? Um, and by the time I confirmed on Wednesday, uh, the truth is it was mostly moot because the APEC conference had actually been completed 13 days prior and you know, 14 days is the quarantine period. So uh, it's, it's been an interesting- uphold. And Israel, by the way, quarantined yeah. people immediately. So every country is doing things very differently. Um, Israel has really put together a very robust and very careful response. Um, and I, I think that may be very prudent. You know, we, there's still, so even now, there's still so much we don't know about the coronavirus, um, exactly how easily it's spread, although we know it's spread very easily and, and more so than the seasonal flu. Um, we don't know exactly how long it can be spread for by people that are either before they get ill or after they're recovering from their illness. Um, so it is wise to be more careful. And that's what I was pushing um, local community leaders. I was pushing the Department of Health, both in Cuyahoga County and the Ohio Department of Health, that, uh, you know, we don't have time. This is, this is the entrance. This is, it's now here. We have one chance to slow this down. I mean, obviously, we can do things later on, but they they will not be as effective as if we slow the spread right at the beginning. So, other than um, being the one tweeting out the info about APAC, um, what sort of I guess um, outcomes have happened in terms of interfacing with the sort of Ohio community at large, and then the Ohio Jewish community? Have you been able to? create any change from this position that you kind of got thrust into unexpectedly? Right. So, you know, anything, anything that I am going to say that I may, might have changed, I'll say that at best I, I was, I was part of the change and I, mm -hmm. and um, you know, people may or may not give me credit for, I'm not looking for credits, but people may or may not say that I, I was, you know, part of the reason why some things were done, but certainly I was involved in many conversations phone calls, conference calls. Um, so, okay, the larger Ohio thing, um, again, I, like I said, there was, there was the issue with the APEC. Um, mm -hmm. So once we found out about that, uh, I was in touch with the, the local rabbis who had contingencies um, that also visited. Mm -hmm. And you know, we hope that we may have potentially slowed down spread that mm -hmm. way. Um, again, a lot of the uh, people that were quarantined ultimately were, were younger teenagers that were on the on the bus um, and had contact. And uh, we know that a lot of the younger people, uh, children, teenagers, will have very mild or minimal symptoms. So potentially, these are people that may have had the virus. We're not testing everybody that's quarantined, um, but they were now staying home. Uh, instead of possibly spreading virus. So that, I think that was important. Um, and that was the first step. Again, I do feel, I still feel uh, 
bad. I want to say bad. You know, it's not clear how widely the spread is going to have would have changed uh, whether or not we got it before Purim. But I was really trying to get things done before Purim, mm -hmm. and although I was on the phone from you know the end of my clinic day till Megillah reading, um, you know, we couldn't get anything nailed down from uh, any of the boards of health and. You know, I can't tell people that I think they should quarantine. Mm -hmm. um, after Purim, I, you know, that was that was the first step. So then after Purim was kind of the next step is, well, okay, um, we have this um, active spread in the community of, of COVID-19. Um, what is the next step to slow it down? And obviously, um, it would seem to me that, you know, everybody was out and intermingling. Mm -hmm. Let's not bring them back together again um, mm -hmm. in, the school, in the school situation. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, I did call and I was in touch with some of the, um, members in the community. Um, hopefully, um, I'm, it's okay that I mention somebody who's been very, uh, supportive of this and, and, and very active and, and has shown tremendous leadership. And that's, uh, Rabbi Benjamin Blau of Green Road Synagogue and, and the Fuchs Mizrahi School. Um, so he was the earliest to take, not just, I wouldn't say take it seriously, everybody took it seriously, but to actually take the leadership position of, of closing down services in his, in his shul and, um, you know, together with the, the leadership of, of Fuchs Mizrahi and their board to close the school. Um, so I don't believe they ever opened up again after Purim. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a tremendous- Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, tremendous uh, job on their behalf. And is all of now, I think one thing, you know, we don't always announce on this show that um, we almost always pre-record, but in times of Corona, we have to say that the numbers change so drastically that today is Monday. The, share, the show, as people are hearing it now, is Thursday. So the numbers could be drastically different in three days from now, which is so crazy about it. Are all the schools, has, has Ohio done a shutdown yet or like the New York, New Jersey area or not yet? Yeah, great point. Um, so I'd love to go through the, a few of the numbers and why some of these numbers are so important to me. Um, so we know that, that that people become symptomatic on average between three and seven days after contracting the illness. So again, back to Purim, I thought the main days to shut down would be, you know, through at least through Sunday, because mm -hmm. if we shut down through Sunday, we'll really know a lot more because we'll see symptomatic cases. Um, and indeed, like you said, you know, we had we had three confirmed. The first three confirmed cases um, were on um, on a Monday. We had went to six cases on a Tuesday. We went to eleven cases um, by the by Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I might be mixing up the day because I think it was fifteen by Friday, twenty six. Um, by Shabbos, 36 yesterday, and, and as of this recording, so today, Monday, we have 50 cases confirmed in Ohio, and the 50% of those Ohio cases are locally in Cuyahoga County, where we mm. live now. So we, we definitely have been at the epicenter. Mm. Um, and again, and so when, to get to the next part of your question is, has Ohio made a move? Again, I'd like to give credit to another person who deserves credit is uh, our governor, Governor DeWine, who also took very decisive action um, and, and uh, initially just closing down the schools, um, then expanding that to 
certain uh, other venues, including bars and restaurants. Uh, without getting into all the details, though, um, Governor DeWine felt that for the state of Ohio, it makes sense to close the schools as of uh, today, it would have been the last day. Mm -hmm. So that was for for the state that was fantastic for mm -hmm. for the local community um they took that as a um green light that it's totally fine mm -hmm. therefore to follow that recommendation and leave the schools open through monday mm -hmm. um which i vehemently opposed mainly because again the person who's living in in dayton ohio or Sandusky, many hours drive from here. I, I know it sounds like <laughs> you know, we might as well be in Kansas for you, Allison, but um, these are real places in Ohio and, and somewhere between uh, Los Angeles and New York. I've and, been to, I've spoken to Ohio three times, so I, I know Ohio. I'm sorry, I apologize. <laughs> no, but not, not Dayton or some of those other places. I, only cities that start with the letter C for some reason. Right. Well, there you go. So, um, so, um, so I was trying to explain that, you know, it's, it's fine for them. They have a little bit of time, but we are at the epicenter of the, of the outbreak and we don't have time. It's here, it's in our community. And if we uh, continue to bring, you know, the kids together, uh, you know, there's a greater chance of the virus spreading wider in our community. And again, the biggest concern is not per se for our children or even most of my um, friends generation but uh, it's it's the people that have weakened immune systems and are older um there would early lives at stake so that's why i kept my kids home on thursday starting thursday again not so much even because of them or what they could do in terms of spreading it but as a, as statement. a physician that people do look to and want to see what he's doing and who was already at that point quite outspoken i felt that i had to uh, if i was going to talk the talk I, I had to walk the walk and uh, really lead by example, not just by the words that I said. So that, I, I can't say that was very successful, uh, yeah. this, but um, I think there was some small successes. The uh, Haviva High School um, a new, uh, did close their doors um, and did not wait till the last minute. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that um, a lot of parents, I think, took, I don't know, I wouldn't say my lead, but just took the lead of others to, uh, you know, be proactive and not uh, not take their kids to school. In fact, one of my wife Alex's friends called her Thursday morning and said, you know, what does your husband say about this? And uh, she said, well, he, he made us keep all of our kids home. So she she went to school and, and, and took her kids out of school. Um, wow. I think, you know, just being aware of, of the situation that we're in and taking responsibility um, of of the potential harm that, that can be leaded with that could have led to others. Now I'm not necessarily criticizing the people that didn't make that decision. Um, they certainly had very valid and very important um, and holy things in mind. Um, and I, I think they truly did what they thought was right. Um, I could only say that, you know, from a medical perspective, it seemed very obviously wrong. I mean, but that's how we, <laughs> we do understand Jewish law through using the best, you know, science and medicine of the times. Um, as you said that you pulled your kids out to be an example um, and not everybody was listening. I'm just thinking of, you know, uh, Pierre was in a place where there's not a man, you know, be a man. I think that's an exact um, example of that where, 
the world may not be listening. This may be going against the trend, but um, you have to stand up and you know do what you believe is right. Um, since the community did, um, or I guess parts of the community did um, lag a little bit. I mean, I happen to be very afraid of how this is going to move through the from community, especially um, in places with larger amounts of everything. Um, yeah, is, I'm saying like any of the models that anyone is doing doesn't actually account for the from world, correct? A hundred percent true. And that is, that is um, one thing that um, I've been working with other doctors here to, first of all, explain to the leaders here why they can't simply listen to the CDC, the Ohio Department of Health, the Cuyahoga Board of Health, because, um, you know, other societies do not follow our rules and do not um, have the same types of dynamics and larger families and meeting in shul three times a day um, and sharing meals and it's and unfortunately even you know those I, I think for many people this past Shabbos was just like any other where I think people were you know you know going about their way that I think we were able to make some small changes and some recommendations um, for the for the shuls that chose not to close um, but uh, you know I, I worry constantly that it wasn't enough and like you like you said by the time the list, your listeners are, are, are hearing this we'll, we'll know more um, my goal is that you know we should look back and people should mock me for 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 being too careful uh, because then we'll know that we've done our job wow well we have um <laughs> and, and is there anything to add in terms of i mean we have just only uh you know a few minutes left now Anything to add in terms of kind of from the, the medical side of things? Um, is the hospital as of today, is it starting to feel um, overloaded? Or are you still able to manage the number of cases? Or um, is there a sense of sort of like at what point the Ohio hospitals may get overburdened? Or that's not anything that you know specifically? Yeah, so thankfully, we know we're close to being overburdened. Um, and again, that's that's primarily what we are um, the medical community is trying to avoid. Again, that's another difference, you know, where I kind of wear two hats. On the one hand, I can epidemiologically say we need to limit contact so we could minimize deaths. Um, as, a, as a firm person, I have to say we have to minimize everything we can because even one death that could have been prevented is not acceptable. Right. Um, so now we're talking about, you know, just in general, trying to, trying to limit things. Um, thankfully, what is being overburdened in is, is, the, is the ability to test people. So um, testing is not uh, up to speed yet. Um, the Cleveland Clinic and the University Hospitals of Cleveland have, have uh, joined together um, to make drive-through testing sites available, but um, that's not just for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. And even it's only, you know, um, not all sites are the same, but basically you need a doctor's order or you'd need to be fairly ill to be tested, but nevertheless, um, there was a three-hour wait yesterday mm -hmm. to sit in your car to 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 get to the line for testing. Um, so, as the tests come back again today, we'll be seeing the test results from yesterday. That yesterday was the first major day of testing. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll know how many cases we have. Mm -hmm. Currently, there's not a lot of hospitalized patients in in all of Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, I know of only. 
three hospitalized patients in, in either the University Hospitals or the Cleveland Clinic, um, but we do expect those to grow as the cases grow. I think the numbers pretty much um, reflect what the rest of the country and the rest of the world is seeing, that about uh, you know, up to 15 to 20% of, of people will need to be hospitalized. Um, you know, we, we have about four, you know, 14 hospitalizations out of 50 cases mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in all of Ohio. Um, so we are um, trying to figure out what to do. I've, I've been on, had a lot of phone calls because what do you do about the person who is calling your office and they think that they may have, they may have uh, COVID-19, but, you know, they're not sick enough to warrant testing. So you, you have to tell them to stay home. And if they have any possible contacts, well, then now they need to stay home for 14 days. And that's right. hard for somebody who isn't really sure that they're really infected. I mean, this is flu season. Right. Uh, there's, it's really honestly impossible to tell the difference between one and the other. Mm-hmm. And anybody who, you know, there's a lot of things on the internet. It's, you, know, you could have this symptom versus that symptom, but in, in the real life scenario, there's really no way to know. It's the, the only way we can decide who to test is based on their severity of the illness. And certainly if there's any known contacts. Mm-hmm. So and we're past, we're past the, did you travel here or here? It's like, did you travel to America? Uh, yes. Yeah, so then you could be. Yeah. Right. So we have access, right. So yeah, we're not asking uh, for travel questions are a moot point, at least here in Cuyahoga County. Um, we're trying to get people to stay home if possible. Like I said, the schools are closed, um, but I'm still getting questions because some of the schools sh- did not decide to close. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody asked me, who is a rabbi of a shul who, who, who didn't close, what should we do with collectors? And that's something I hadn't thought of yet. I mean, it was obvious to me right away that the answer is that this, from a medical perspective, these are probably the riskiest people to have in our community because oh, yeah. they're traveling, usually traveling by mass transit. Mm-hmm. They're handling money that's been touched by hundreds of people and exchanging money. They're, they're face-to-face with hundreds of people. Um, but at the same time, how can you, you know, how can you close your community to chesed? Which is, to be fair, the same thing that the, you know, the, the, the our very esteemed rabbis who chose not to close their synagogues, I don't think they're less concerned about infection, although may, there may be some skepticism, which sometimes is, is, is healthy, but um, I think they really feel strongly about the power of of Torah and tefillah and that we really as a Jewish nation need that right now. So there's, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things to balance. For sure. Well, thank you so much for uh, your hard work, for taking a stand, for uh, having the balanced perspective. We wish you much Hatzlacha uh, down this, uh, what we imagine will not be a a short road, but um, we hope that there will be Siyata Deshmaya um, through through this uh, road that we're all taking now. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. Okay, all the best, and thank you for listening. Stay, stay, stay safe. Stay home. Stay away from people. Stay on your couch. Is what I do. Um, you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye bye. <laughs>